historical town. That's where I worked. And my brother came up to visit me. This, I had just moved into the area. And I, um, I asked the pastor I was working for, hey, we, we want to go into the city. W- where do we go and how do we get there? And he just kind of looked at me and laughed. And clearly I would not been to Boston before because if you've been there, there's no way to tell directions, right? Like every, the roads wind, nothing makes sense. Like, like you, you just got to kind of understand. And he said, well, here's what you do. Take this highway, take this exit, and then go get lost. And I kind of looked at him like, how do you do that? Like, how does one intentionally get lost? Have you ever thought of that? Now, miracle as it may be, I wound up doing that because it's super, super easy to get lost in Boston. Um, But have you ever thought of that idea? It's really difficult to intentionally go and get lost. So here's what we're going to do. We kind of started this conversation off last week uh, talking about being lost and unlost. Here's, I'm going to give you uh, just a quick four things, and I call this the art of lostness. All right, number one, it's very difficult. We don't get lost on purpose. It's really incredibly difficult to do that. I'm just really, really good at doing bad things. So apparently I found a way to get lost on purpose. Um, Here's number two. We're lost before we ever know that we're lost. Right? If we're not, it'd be really easy to get unlost. You just take a step back, oh, I'm good, right? And then a step forward, oh, I'm lost again. We find out we're lost, we realize we're lost way after, we, like for a long time after we've been lost, we finally realize it. Number three, and this won't come as a shock to many of you, at least uh, to the women, men go faster when we're lost. And I, I don't really know why, I can't really explain it, but it's, it's just the truth. Uh, and number four, and this is true for all of us, we wind up wherever the road we're on ends up. We'll wind up wherever the road we're on ends up. And this is true for all of us, regardless of your race, your color, your gender, your IQ, what you do professionally. Whatever road we're on, we wind up wherever that road we're on ends up. Now, as we began the discussion last week, we started looking at, at, at this kind of um, distinction that, that there's a difference um, <clears throat> when it comes to, to, to driving and, and, some, and oftentimes how we live our life. That there, there's this... Um, What's obvious, rather, when we're driving is not so obvious as how we live our life. But just like physical paths, physical highways, physical roads, they all have kind of predictable outcomes. There are predictable outcomes to our life and how we live our life and where we end up in our life. That every single kind of arena of our life has a predictable outcome. That's the title of the series, Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Own Future. Now, Now, thanks to technology, it's virtually impossible to get lost. It really is. If, if you think you're lost, here's what you do. Contact your favorite online retailer. They know exactly where you are and how to get you from the, there to their store as quickly as possible. So that's what you have to do. If you're ever lost, just contact your favorite online retailer and they'll get you there. But it's really, it, it's difficult for us to be, lo- to be lost. But as we continue th- this, this conversation, last week I introduced this principle to you that, that um, kind of governs this whole conversation of where we're going over these next few weeks. And, and this is a, a principle, and we call this the principle of the path. And the principle of the path is simply this. This is the definition. That direction determines our destination. That our direction ultimately determines our destination. And this is true geographically, but it's also true with all of the other Ali's. This is true financially. This is true professionally, relationally, morally, spiritually. And then I made this one up and through it in there. Marriagely. This is true. And I was going to throw this up there, but (coughs) I didn't know how to spell it. It's true parentingly. Right? Every Ali you can think of, it, it's true that, like, that our direction determines our destination. That, that whatever world we kind of find ourselves on, that's the outcome we're going to get out of it. That, that's, that's how life works. It doesn't just work with maps and geography. It works the same way with our life. And if I was to take this a, a little bit further and ask you, hey, and, and just pick one of these. Hey, what's your plan financially? Like, say in the next two years, five years, ten years, what's your plan financially? My guess is you, you'd have a response. You know, well, I plan to make more money. I plan to save more. I plan to plan for my retirement. I plan to get out of debt. 
What's your plan professionally? Like, what do you hope happens in the next two to five years? Well, you know, I hope to maybe start my own business or be the vice president of the company I'm working for. What's your plan relationally? You've been dating her for a really long time. You've been dating him for like 10 years. What's your plan? And you might respond with, you know, I hope marriage is in the mix or maybe I hope it's not in the mix. <clears throat> but what's your plan? You've been doing this for a long time. You see, the, the thing is, no matter what we ask ourselves, no, no matter um, what, what we find arena of life that we're in, when we ask ourselves, hey, hey, what do you think's around the corner? The truth is we all kind of have an answer. Whether we're planners or not, even if you're like fly by to the seat of your pants kind of a person, we all have a plan, even if it's just to fly by the seat of your pants. You see, it's kind of ingrained in all of us. This isn't like a type A person or a type B. This isn't male or female. This isn't if you're from America or from Africa. This has nothing to do with that. This is humanity. There's something in us to plan, to want to know what our future holds and be able to make a plan to get there. Relationally, professionally, academically. You see, the challenge is, and this is what we're going to talk about a little today. The challenge is, is that there's oftentimes a disconnect between what our attention is and what our direction is. There's oftentimes a disconnect between what our intention is and the direction we chose to travel. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to get out of debt. By this time next year, you know, by five years from now, by the time the kids are grown up, I'm going to get out of debt. There's a disconnect between our intention and our direction. And the thing is, and I don't want this for you, and I know you don't want this for you, and the truth is your heavenly father doesn't want this for you. They don't, they don't want you to kind of get lost in that disconnect between what you're intending life to be and the direction you're traveling because the direction is ultimately going to ter- determine your destination, not your intention. Intentions are good, but intentions really don't mean anything. At the end of the day, direction trumps intention every single time. So a young lady says, well, you know, I, I, hope, I hope one day I'm going to get married. I hope one day I'm going to find the right guy, and I just, I just want him to be such a, a good guy. I want him to be a strong man. I want him to have moral value. I want him to be a Christian. My dad was a Christian. I, I, I really hope one day I meet this strong Christian man and we get married. But, but un, until then, you know, I'm just going to date anybody who asks me as long as they're cute, right? I, I, I really do want to get out of debt. I really do want to save for, for, for my retirement. I, I want to be able to invest one day. I, I really do. But, but, but you know, the, the online shoppers keep calling, and I have all these credit cards. And, and isn't that how we build a future? By, by going into debt and creating credit? So I'm just going to keep spending. I, I really do want to, want to get that new, new job. I really do want to start my own business. But, but I, I'm just going to, going, to, going to keep working here, and I'm, I'm going to keep uh, making poor decisions, and I'm going to keep allowing other people to pursue um, getting the raise or getting the advancement before me. I, I really do want to be a good dad. I want my kids to, 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 to want to be around me and want to be around them, even when they don't have to be. When they leave the house, I want them to want to come back and want to be a part of what we're, do, what we're doing. I really do want us to be like a family unit, but I'm going to keep working all the overtime they give me and taking all the extra trips. I, I, I really do. I, I really do want. I really do want. I, I really do hope. Someday, when the kids are grown, one day I'll change. I, I, I really do want my kids to be raised in, in a church. I want them to have Christian values. I want them, I, I was raised this way. My, my husband, my wife, he or she was raised this way. We want them to have Christian values. You know, but, but when things slow down, when it's not sports season, and at this point in the message, it always gets uncomfortably quiet. 
See, the truth is we all have good intentions, but it's not our intentions that determine our destination. It's our direction. And we don't want to have these uncomfortable talks, but, but my, my fear is, and, and I think this is what God's trying to tell us through the scriptures, is that if we're not careful, we'll end up someplace, someplace we never determined we wanted to be. We always said we'd never get there, but we wound up there because we were never clear about our direction. Our intentions we were clear on, but never our direction. See, the truth is, and, and I know you don't want to hear this, but the truth is you are unique, and that's awesome. But your story is not. And your path isn't. And your direction isn't either. Now, that may be hard to hear, but before you get mad at me, let's jump into the text. Uh, 900 BC, and I know it's hard for us to think that. Think about that. 900 BC, that's thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago, the wisest king who ever lived, a man named Solomon, you've probably heard of him. He was the third king of Israel. There was first Saul, and then there was David, and then Solomon. Solomon was, was, was David's son. He was the king of Israel, and he was like the wisest man to ever live on paper. Like as long as he was writing, as long as he was, he was thinking, he was so wise. He left us with some of the best wisdom literature ever written. As a matter of fact, we have a, some of his literature compiled in a book we call Proverbs. But when it came to living it out, he, he didn't do a very good job at it. As a matter of fact, at the end of his life, he didn't follow his own advice, and the story kind of ends up rather poorly. But Solomon is full of all this incredible wisdom. And, and in this passage, he's writing, he, he writes down to kind of illustrate this. I believe it's a parable. It, it, it may be a story, it may be a true story, but, but to me, it, it kind of reads like a parable. He's teaching this, this young group of men that are around him. And, and, and he, he tells them this story about a young boy. Really, there's two characters that play into this story. There's, there's a young, naive young man, and there's a seductive married woman. Now, Paul's point, or Solomon's point, rather, in all this, and I have to preface this, especially for the ladies, is not that all married women are seductive. That's not his point at all. So don't get lost there. I want you to roll with me. And his point isn't that all men are naive, although we, we might be. The evidence is still out on that. <clears throat> That's not his point at all. His point is to show us that what we intended to be kind of a pastime, what we intended to be a little bit of a diversion in our life, ends up being a path that leads us to a place that we ultimately don't want to go. And now he's surrounded by these young men. Imagine this. This is the king of Israel, one of the smartest men to ever live. He's surrounded by a group of young men, and he's trying to teach them wisdom. He's trying to teach them how to make sure that the path they're on is headed where they want to go and to not be diverted. So he starts off with this. He says, at the window. Again, he's teaching these young men. He's got a bunch of guys sitting around him. He's trying to teach them this lesson. He says, at the window of my house, he's got this perspective. He's kind of looking down. I look down through the lattice, and I kind of spy on this kid. I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple or, or the naive, I noticed among them a young man, a youth who lacked judgment. Now, there's only two ways to, to gain judgment in, in the world, right? It, it comes with age and it comes with experience. <clears throat> that, that's, that, that's how we gain judgment. And this kid, he's young, so he, has, he doesn't have the experience. And he's young, so he doesn't have the age, so clearly he's naive. And he's saying this is a naive young man. This is why the older we get, the... the the smarter we believe that our parents have become. Because the older we get, we're like, oh, I see why you said that. I understand why you did that. It's like you've been geniuses for, forever. Well, they just have age and they have experience, so they have wisdom. They have judgment. This young man did not. He's a young, naive, simple-minded man. He, this kid, was going down the street near her corner. Like everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew where this, this woman, where she lived, walking along, <clears throat> and, and here's our word, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. He knew where he was going. As the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, 
So now there's two perspectives here. There, right? there, there's the narrator and there's the young man. And you have to imagine, if this is like, like a movie, there's two different soundtracks. So, so when the young man is talking, there's, there's very different music he's hearing playing in the background than the Jaws music that plays behind the narrator when he's talking. There's very different perspectives on what's about to happen in this story. Out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is unruly, and Solomon now blows this up, and he makes it like way more severe and way more bigger than it is to prove his point. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner she lurks. She told him, or rather, she, she holds him and kissed him with a brazen face. And she says this, and this is a little R-rated, so, so just bear with me. With a brazen face, she says, today I have fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. It's like, ooh, come on. Like, what does that even mean? Does anybody have any idea? Like, I don't even think the author knew. We, we don't know. We don't know. We know that it was some kind of religious practice. We don't know if it was Canaanite or if it was Jewish. We're really not sure. But, but the, the intention, what she's trying to say behind this is really this. I'm not a bad woman. I, I've gone to confession. I, I've gone to the temple. I've offered the sacrifice. I, I, I've, I've emptied my sin bucket. So let's fill it back up. I'm not bad. So come with me. She says, I came out, and, and, and then she's just puffing this kid up. I came out to meet you. I, I was looking for you, and I have found you. And this young man, he's thinking, me? Really? Like, I, my mom always told me I was handsome, but maybe I really am. Like, I, I, I'm it. I, I'm the superstar. I'm the celebrity. I'm like, I, I, I'm it. I'm one in a million. And the, the author, Solomon, saying, no, 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 you're not one in a million. You're one of a million, kid. Move on. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt, and I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Now, this is a really big deal in this culture, which makes no sense to us because we have showers, we have toothbrush, and, and we have soap. But in this culture, they didn't. So, so here's what you need to know about this ancient culture. Everything and everyone stank. Everyone they didn't have toothpaste. They didn't have soap. I mean, they, only, they didn't have like, like good smelling things. There was no way to kind of remove the smell. It was just kind of to mask it. And then after a day, like you just have all those mixing smells and it was terrible. Like the only people that had anything that kind of smelled good were really wealthy people. As we're going to find out in a moment, she was. But th this, this is a really big deal because in this culture, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't clean yourself up. It wasn't smelling good. If you've ever been to, to parts of the world like this, you smell where you're going before you ever get there. That, that was like it was here. And she's basically telling him, she's seducing him, saying, hey, this is going to be so pleasurable for you. This environment is going to be perfect. Not only is it going to feel good, but it's going to smell good. It's going to be amazing. Come with me. She literally says, so come. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And then she reads his mind. And it's really not all that difficult because he's a young man and he's got one thing on his mind. And, and it's this. My husband is not at home. Whew. He's gone on a long journey, she says, and he has taken his purse, which, again, is confusing for us. So we're going to switch from the New International Version to the New American Standard so we can gain some clarity, unless the reason you think she's on the corner talking to this man is because her husband left with the money. <clears throat> the New American Standard says this. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He's been gone for a long time, and he's taken a bag of money with him. He's going to be gone for a long time. As a matter of fact, she follows up with this. Until <clears throat> he's taken a bag of money with him and will not be home till the full moon. Like, kid, we got time. We've got all the time. You don't have to worry. He's not coming home. We can, we can go on all night. 
because my husband's gone. I've got all the time in the world, kids. So here's the message. There's no consequence if we don't get caught. You can do the wrong thing and still be right. You can do the wrong thing and not really take the wrong path. The things will work out in them because no one's going to know. I won't tell anyone. You're not going to tell them. My husband won't be home. Kid, it's all going to work out fine. There won't be any consequences because no one will ever know. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once, he followed her. And now he's thinking, yeah, I followed her. Of course I did. I'm the celebrity. I'm, I'm hot. Like, she clearly wanted me. She, she was looking for me. Like, clearly, I, I am the one in the million. I was like, no, 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 no. You followed her. Solomon says this. You followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. It's like, wait a minute. What do you mean ox going to the slaughter? Like, this is the greatest moment of this kid's life. It's like he's saying, Solomon, you're so old-fashioned, man. You're, you're, like, you're like a grandpa. Like, get with the times. It sounds like, I'm, I'm not done. You followed her like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Solomon, man, you're such a drama queen. I mean, look, this is just one night. This is just a diversion. This is just, just a good time. This is no big deal. So I said, I'm still not finished. You followed her like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. And I imagine the young man's thinking to himself, good grief, Solomon, come on. This isn't going to cost me anything. Well, I mean, it may cost me a little money. But in the end, it's not going to cost me anything, man. And the narrator, Solomon, he pulls out of the parable now to address the young men that he's been telling this parable or this story to. He speaks directly to them and he says this, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. And do not, let your, <clears throat> sorry, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. It's like, well, wait a minute. Ways and, and, and paths? Like, Solomon, what are you talking about? We're not talking about ways and, and, and paths here. This is just a diversion. This is just a pastime. This is just a, a one-night stand. This is, just, this is just a fling, and then it'll go back to what he's always wanted to do. Right? This, this doesn't connect. The past is the past. The present is the present. And the future is the future. What do you mean ways and paths? Solomon says, many, many, many are the victims she has brought down. You are not one in a million. You are one of a million, kid. Brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Now, we'll come back to this story in just a second, but do you know why counselors are so smart? I mean, I, and I know it's because they've been educated for years and years. Of course, they're, they're smart. Who, anybody who has that education is really smart. Do, do, do you know why when you go into a counselor, do you know what they're writing down while you're telling your story and you're kind of pouring your heart out? You know, my, my husband did this and my wife did this and she said this and now it's a mess and I don't know what we're going to do. Really, they're just writing down their grocery list. <clears throat> and they're thinking, yeah, I just got to go do this and I just got to pick this up on my way home. And I, I, the truth is, I don't know what they're writing down. I'm not knocking counselors. I think counselors are amazing and they're smart. This isn't a knock to counselors, really to knock on us. Do you know why counselors are so smart? Because we are so predictable. Because we are so predictable. Because they know as you begin to tell your story, they already see where it's going. Because it, 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 your story is not that unique. Remember, yes, you are unique, but your story is not. They've heard it before. They realize the direction it's going in. And we go and we're just looking for a solution, right? We talked about this last week. We just want the quick fix. Just tell me how to fix my marriage. Tell me how to make my husband behave the way I want him to behave. Tell me how to, how to make my kids perfect. Like, here's the problem. They're the problem. Give me the solution. But there's no quick fix. The, the, the solution is a direction. You've got to change your direction. You've got, you've got to align your direction with your intention so you get ultimately to where you want to be. 
That's why they're so smart, because, because truthfully, we're just kind of dumb. And we keep doing the same things over and over and over, expecting different outcomes. They're like, no, there's no different outcome. Here's what you do. Change your direction. Here's what you do. Change your direction. <clears throat> the problem is, the direction isn't a quick fix. The direction takes time. But as you change your direction, ultimately, things begin to change. This is Solomon's point. That what began as a simple sidebar, a kind of diversion, we didn't know it, we didn't see it coming, the boy didn't see it coming. It was actually a pathway that led somewhere. And listen to what he says, just in case you think I'm exaggerating this. This is what Solomon says. Her house is a highway, to which I'm sure the boy would argue, it's not a highway, it's a house. No, it's a highway. No, you must mean it's like on a highway. No, 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 it's a highway. Solomon, how can her house be a highway? It's a house. Because everything in her house and everything that's associated with her house is taking you somewhere. And it's somewhere you don't want to be. It's somewhere that ultimately is going to lead you to disaster or, or, or to, to, to the, an outcome you haven't predicted, you haven't intended, an outcome you don't want. Her house is a highway. Now, for, for some of us, we hear this, and, and, and the truth is that, that maybe our house is like this. Maybe our house is a highway. Maybe it's not sexual like it is in this nature. Maybe it is. But there's things that we've considered a pastime. There's things that we've considered, well, this is okay. There's things that we've, this is just a sidebar. This is just a distraction. Everybody does this. Everybody talks to their wives this way. Everybody treats their kids this way. Everybody spends money this kind of way. Everybody views this stuff online when no one's watching. Everybody does it. It's just a pastime. It's just okay. And someone would say, no, it's a highway. And it's taking you somewhere you don't want to go. He said, her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. See, her house, it appeared to be a pastime, but it turned out to be a pathway. It was actually taking them somewhere. And again, back to where we started. Yes, you are unique. I'll grant you that, and I think that's absolutely amazing. But as much as you don't want to hear this, your experience is not. And with all that unique Neither is your path. And ultimately, neither is your destination. It's predictable. It's predictable to somebody. It's predictable to somebody who's already in your life, who's been trying to tell you, who's been trying to warn you, who's, who can see maybe what you don't want to see, somebody who can see what you don't see. But if we're really honest with ourselves, it's somebody who can see what you won't see. And the reason they keep bringing this up, the reason they keep texting you and calling you and sending you notes and, and writing messages, the, the reason they keep bringing it up to you and you see them coming and you're like, oh, you kind of avoid them and go the other way because, you know, they're going to bring it up again. And here, here we go again. The reason they relentlessly bring it up to you is because they don't want and I don't want and your heavenly father doesn't want you to be lost in, in, in that, 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 that disconnect between your, your intentions and your direction. Because so many people get lost there for their entire life. And they look back and say, how did I get here? This isn't what I intended. This isn't the life I wanted. This isn't the marriage I wanted. These aren't the kids that I wanted. This isn't the profession I wanted. I didn't want to retire like this. I, I, I wanted something different. But you got lost in the intention and your direction. There was a disconnect. And the two didn't line up. See, the truth is there's always somebody who can see it. See, at the end of the day, it's not your intention it's your direction that determines your destination. So we're going to look back at that, de at that definition, and we're going to add some words to it. The principle of the path. 
Direction determines your destination, but we're going to add this. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. And I know what you're thinking at this point. You're thinking, okay, Jim, like, I don't know where you live, like, and I know where you think that, that I live. You probably think I live in, in the back room, and you know, I write one message a week, and then they, they turn me off, and they crank me up on Saturday night and put me on the stage Sunday morning, and then I go back and write one message, and they put me back to sleep again. Really, you probably think, I don't know where you live, but, but, but you don't live like I live. You, you probably have no social life, apparently by what you're saying. You, you have no social life. You don't live like I live. You don't live where I live. This is impossible. It, it sounds to me like all you're trying to do is take my fun away. And the truth is that nothing can be further from the truth. I don't want to take your fun away. That's not at all what I'm doing. I'm trying to relay the message on behalf of God and behalf of Jesus who wanted to invite you into something better. They didn't want to take something away. They wanted to add something to your life. Jesus' invitation wasn't, hey, come and follow me and have no life. It was come and follow me and have the best life. I'll lead you to a fulfilling life. I'll lead you to a life that, that flows with abundance. I'll lead you to the life you've always wanted, that you've always intended on having. It's not about taking something away. It's about adding something to your life. And I'm just trying to relay the message of Jesus and our Heavenly Father that would say, come and follow me into the life you've always intended on having. But maybe never align your direction that way. Change your direction and follow me and I will lead you to life abundant. To do that, I want to give you some homework. We don't always give homework assignments, but <clears throat> I think you should do this homework assignment. So here's what I want you to do. When you go home and... This is for everyone. This is an off-skate. I want you to do this. Um, this will set us up for next week. I want you to find an empty box. And, and if you don't have an empty box, uh, my guess is you probably do, and it probably has prime written across it. But if you don't have one, the advice is wait a few days because one's coming, and when it comes, you're going to be so surprised. Like, what's in the box? I don't even remember. I'm so excited. It's like Christmas Day all over again because, you know, th that's how we spend and we buy things. That's a, a total sidebar. <clears throat> Get a box, maybe one that has prime on it, maybe one that doesn't. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your box, an empty box, and I want you to walk around the house, and I want you to collect all the fun you've had, and I want you to put it in the box. Get all the fun and put it in the box. Put all of your fun that you've had in the box, and then I want you to collect all the money that you've wasted, and I want you to put that in the box. And then I want you to take this box, either you know, with your spouse, if you're in a couple, or by yourself, and I want you to put it on the table, and I want you to do this. I just want you to sit, and I want you to stare at it. And I want you to stare and after a while, after you're done staring, I want you to push yourself away. <clears throat> I want you to move back and I want you to think about all those generous times in your life. You know, the, the times where you gave up something that you wanted for somebody else? The time where you maybe sacrificed from your own life so that somebody else could have? The time where you heard something, maybe it was in church or at work or maybe you were in your small group and you thought, I don't know how we're going to do this. I really don't have the margin. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have the means. But, but I'll go without to make sure that doesn't happen again. I want you to remember those moments. I, I can remember times in, in my marriage with Tanya. Some of the best times that we talk about and we think back on are times where we felt like the nudge of the Holy Spirit to go and do something for somebody else, where, where we knew it was going to be a sacrifice. We knew that it was going to cost us something. We didn't know how much. We didn't know how we were going to make it work. But we decided to sacrifice, to give of ourselves for somebody else. Those are the times we look back on. And it stirs up such emotion, like I can't believe, I, I can't wait till we're asked to do that again because it stirs up such incredible emotion. And of course, now we don't miss the money because, you know, that later that just doesn't seem that important. 
I want you to think back on those moments. And if you don't have those moments, this is kind of the point. But if you do have those moments, I want you to think back on those moments where you were asked to do something, where you experienced that kind of generosity, where you experienced that kind of sacrifice, with the, the, those memories that stir up those kind of emotions for you. I want you to think back over those times. I want you to think back over those stories. And while you're thinking about it, I want you to ask yourself this question. This isn't a hard question, but it's kind of the main question. What do you want more of? What do you want more of? Do you want more of those memories? Or do you want more of the empty fun in the box? Do you want more of those kinds of memories, of those kind of experiences that elicit such strong emotions? Or do you want more of the money that you've wasted and you have nothing to show for it, except for maybe a bunch of debt? Ultimately, what do you want more of? See, here's my, my, my point. Is that this is like the greatest day of your life when you have these kinds of moments. This is the fun that lasts. And the truth is, for us, is that fun is always in the rearview mirror, even if it's the right kind of fun. But satisfaction is a traveling companion. It sits in the passenger seat every single day of your life. And satisfaction is the sense of, this is exactly how I intended my life to be. This is exactly how I intended my marriage to be. This is how I intended my relationship with my kids to be. This is how I intended the world to be. This is, this is how I intended it to be. Satisfaction is always the result of arriving where you intended to be. But here's the, the kicker. Satisfaction deludes people who live as if life is not connected, who live as if the past is the past and now is now and the future is the future and I don't have to worry about that. But ultimately, this is what we want in our life, isn't it? We want to be satisfied. The stones wanted to be satisfied, but they couldn't get no satisfaction. This is how you get it. By ending up where you've always intended to be. And we get there by changing our direction. This is why Jesus taught so many remarkable things. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find rest and satisfaction for your souls. He said, follow me, and I will lead you into an abundant, big, fulfilling life. And then Paul would come along later, and the apostle Paul would say, I found the secret. I found the secret to being content in every situation in life, in every arena of life. I found the secret to contentment even when I don't have much to show or nothing to show for it. Because the invitation of your heavenly father, it will require you and it will require me to live in a different direction. Because direction not intention, ultimately determines your destination. So really, I have one more question for you, and then we're done. I'm going to get you out of here a little early today. Are you living in the wrong direction? Are you living in the wrong direction? Are, are, you, are you living your life in a way, and you have to be honest with yourself about this, because nobody can answer this question but you. Are you living in a way that's ultimately going to get you to a place you don't want to be? And you know that. Are you living in your marriage in a way that's going to produce the marriage you don't want in 10 years? Are, are you working in a way that's going to produce a professional career that you never wanted and you never intended? Are you treating people in a way that's going to make your relationships 
wind up in a place that you never wanted them to ever be? Are you living in the wrong direction? Is there a disconnect between your intention and your direction? And the simple follow-up question for this is this. Would you change directions? Would you be willing to change directions? If you find yourself living in a direction that is not the direction you intended, would you be willing to change your directions? The invitation from your Heavenly Father is to change. It's not to believe. It's not to stop doing something or to start doing something. It's simply to follow. Follow me, and we'll make a hard U-turn, and I'll take you to the life you've always intended. Follow him. Would you be willing, if you know that you're living in the wrong direction, to follow Jesus, to make that hard U-turn, and to live towards the life that you've always intended? This is ultimately where the road's going to take us. The challenge for this is nobody can answer this but you. When you look at your life with all of the elites, professionally, financially, academically, marriagely, everything, is it ultimately headed where you intended to go? And if it isn't, what would you be willing to change to make sure it does? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this incredible parable from Solomon, Lord. A man full of so much wisdom, God. I thank you that, that, that this story, that his works have survived for thousands of years, God. Because even though it was written thousands of years ago, it applies so much to us today. God, that we could get lost in the disconnect between our intentions and our direction. But I pray for every person here that as we begin to analyze, as we do our homework and we look back over all of the fun memories that don't really mean anything now, God, that, that we would choose to, to, to live a life that creates memories that we want to have, that elicits emotions that we want to have, that takes us in, in, in the direction that we've always intended to go. Give us the wisdom to do with, with what we heard this morning and the courage to do it. And bring us back here next week for part three. In Jesus' name, amen.